Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, Kathy Christensen is in conversation with Paul Edwards, founder of Cedar HR Solutions, a leading provider of on-demand support for dental practices of all sizes in the U.S. Welcome to Medical Spa Insider. My name is Kathy Christensen. I am filling in for Alex Tiersch, AmSpa CEO. I am uh, AmSpa's COO, and I am very, very pleased to be talking today with Paul Edwards from Cedar Solutions. Um, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kathy, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our uh, our conversation today. Absolutely. Um, just for the folks who are listening, if you could tell them a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and then a little bit about what Cedar does within the medical aesthetics and medical spa industry. So I'm the founder of Cedar HR Solutions. I'm at CEDR, and it's short for a name we never use anymore. <laughs> uh, but we like to use the idea of the tree, and it's kind of this big tree, and, and, and all of our members are underneath it. And so I use the word members. I'll explain that. Uh, what we do is provide uh, close-in HR problem-solving support and compliance. So that was a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Shorten that uh, and and say our clients, um, the, they rely on us to be able to call in both managers and owner managers. They call in with their HR issues, and we have a team of very well-seasoned experts who can not only help them solve most HR problems, if not all, we can also help them do it within the context of what's actually going on in their office. So there's no one perfect answer for every single person. And also within the context of how many employees they have, where they're located, what state they're in, what city they're in, and what laws might apply. So, you know, a very common call that we get is, oh gosh, my employees are discussing their salaries or they're talking about pay. And one employee said something and now everybody else is in, a, in an uproar and I, can you help me? I need to write them a corrective action and tell them they, you know, they, that they might get fired for doing that. And that is in fact, uh, um, Kathy, illegal. You can't prevent people from discussing their benefits, wages, and working conditions. So that's a real easy example to give. Mm-hmm. Um, we take approximately twelve to 13,000 of those calls every single uh, year and have about 3,000 members. I think my first MediSpa member uh, happened in 2009. So very, very early on, we got our first multi-location med spa and um, and have uh, since then been kind of uh, picking them up along the way. And uh, and then we met you guys a few years ago. So Yeah, absolutely. We've been happy to work with you um, as a vendor member. I know you've been to a lot of our events. and We love your conferences, we're... by the way. We really do. My team is like, they fight over who gets to go to the conferences now. So I'm like, maybe I should be going to these conferences. Oh, you should definitely go to the Medical Spa Show. It's, it's not the same old boring conference. We try to make up lots like of <laughs> Yeah, all you have to do is Google it and you'll see yeah. what we do. But we do a lot of learning, too. We right. do a lot of business. Yep. Um, it's interesting. I understand that you guys have released a conflict guide recently. And yeah. it's interesting to me, kind of your space in this industry right now, because it's such an evolving industry. It's one of those, mm-hmm. um, AM Spot's like bringing on new people onto its team. And I, I feel like I've had this conversation a lot about how the industry is not like your standard industry that's been around for 80 to 100 years. Right. We've got, 
many different people uh, and lots of them at different stages right. of the business. One of the main challenges that we hear on our end is management. Um, and that's something that kind of occurs along the spectrum of ownership. And I think a lot of folks are really looking for guidance on those middle stages of management after you've launched and you had your team that like hustled 24-7 to get things done. Now that you're in kind of the swing of things, how do you manage those folks? And uh, it, yeah. it's I'm curious to hear what you think about kind of the nuances of that because there's a lot. We affectionately call it being the victim of your success. Saying so <laughs> next thing you know, you have two people in your office and you have the potential for some kind of conflict to happen. It doesn't always happen that way. But I think as soon as you start adding people, even if it's one person, um, you immediately have that first dynamic where conflict can occur. Um, and that can be in the form of just trying to give someone feedback. So a manager or an owner manager, they've got their own baggage when it comes to giving feedback. Um, you know, I think we mostly we go on how it feels like what we should do is what we know. And, and we kind of draw off that. And that's common sense. Uh, and then on the other side of that equation and that relationship is the person who's receiving it. And they have their own set of baggage. We all have our own set of baggage that we picked up along the way. And some of us are more defensive. Some of us are more open. Um, some of us think we know it all when we don't. We don't we, you know, we don't know the term. You don't know what you don't know. We haven't been taught that yet. And so the potential for conflict starts no matter where you are, even when you add that first employer, the second, but certainly as you grow and certainly as you have to add middle management. So what we know is in most of your businesses, once you hit about 12 employees, somewhere between eight and 12 employees, an owner should probably stop being the day-to-day -day operations manager. That's why you're there. You, you have a very specific role inside of AMSPA. And so an owner should give that up and let uh, someone come in and manage. Unfortunately, what we tend to do is look in the office and say, who, who do we like the most? Who's been here the longest? And, um, and who seems to be the most competent and who shows up every day? And then we say, you're a manager. You're going to be the manager because you are the most responsible. And then that's it. We don't, we, don't, we, don't do, we don't do much else. We just tell them, you're the manager. Here's a dollar extra an hour. And please make this stop. Would you please get out there and make whatever's going on, the good stuff keep going and the bad stuff stop. Right. Amen. I wish it was that easy, right? Yeah. Um, let's roll back to kind of what you said prior. I kind of want to ask a couple questions. One is, can you define conflict for me? And then the second one is kind of based on something that you mentioned, which was kind of everybody goes by their instinct when they're in a manage, especially in a small business situation, when you're in a management situation and you say, you know, this is something where my common sense dictates I would do X, Y, Z. And I'd love to know like the pros and also the cons of kind of leaning on that. So it's kind of a two part disparate question. Well, I think that some of us are naturally good at leading people and sometimes solving problems. And that often leads to being good at, at, at resolving conflicts. So you asked me what kind of conflicts kind of occur. We, if we're going to lump them into a few kind of categories, two employees are in conflict. So that's one kind of conflict. And that's one of the hardest ones to resolve because you're kind of stepping in and, you know, the tendency is to use words like mediation and those, those sorts of terms. But frankly, 
you know, if you're not well trained in mediation, you don't mm-hmm. even know what that word actually means or how to sit down and mediate between two people. And then, by the way, there is no mediation if the two people don't seek the mediation. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, lo- lots of different terms that are applied. So, between two people, sometimes there's conflict between the business and an employee. Um, could be that an employee, and, and we lean into this heavily in the conflict guide, is um, there. You know, you have a set of core values that you mm-hmm. that you've put together. Hopefully, at some point, I I encourage everybody to kind of look into that and and, and adopt it. You may have uh, business plans. You may have, uh, hopefully, you have a purpose. There's a reason why you exist. And so that conflict is to say to the employee, what you're doing right now, it does not align with what our goals are, what we're up to. You know, the question is, is how does what's going on between you two or between you one person? How does that support what we were actually saying we were going to do this quarter? You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and so th- then you have um, you have conflict between a superior and and a uh, and a and a, someone that they manage, um, and you know that can that that kind of encompasses everything else I've said. But but what if the conflict is is that the manager is is mistreating that employee, and now as an owner, if you're listening to this, you have some liability there. So we kind of try to run everything through this internal assessment. Is this, um, and it's never just, but is this just two people not getting along? We think we can get them together and, mm-hmm. and, and make it better. Or is this something that has some kind of moderate risk, um, which is violating our core principles and kind of how we run the company and starting to infect things and, and make things not run well. And then finally there is, is there really some kind of, conflict going on whereby it's caused it can cause some kind of legal issue for uh, mm-hmm. for, for the company so you know if you're listening and you're still awake that's how <laughs> that's how hr works yes well and how do you as the manager decipher that how do you decipher at a point what are the uh, kind of triggers or the red flags that tell you that this is probably beyond your own ability to safely resolve or to resolve in a way that's going to be okay for the company or you know what is there anything that you can point to that would determine you know this could be a legally like yeah concerning situation um it's usually in the fact gathering that you do and so uh, small businesses don't get taught this along the way but the first step to resolving any kind of conflict is to ask some questions and get some get some information from employees. And so you may have, um, I mean, we use one of the examples, I think, is we have one employee who's been there for a good while and she's great. And her problem is the same that many of us have. Um, her problem is that she does not take constructive feedback very well. Mm-hmm. And then we have a new employee that's only been there for a couple of months who's going to take over some of those duties of that other employee. And so... There's conflict there because the first employee, first of all, has never been trained on how to train someone else. They, they you know, the manager or the owner didn't take the time. They just said, teach her what you know about this. She's probably going to be the new uh, patient coordinator and she's probably going to take over insurance. And then the next thing you know, you've got conflict. And I, and it, it comes up because that first person who's a fantastic employee is a terrible teacher. And, right. and, and it's because they don't have any training or anything in place. So that's one that, that's your fault as a leader. You did this. It's not your fault that people have their own personalities and what's going on in that conflict, but you've got to get in there and kind of 
um, and, and clean that up. So I don't see a lot of liability there, but I think uh, the problem is, is that your patients are walking in and seeing, and this is an HR term, Kathy, two pissed off employees, and that's <laughs> and that's the um, and that's the uh, that's the face of your company. That's the not just seeing it, but feeling oh, it. Oh, you can feeling, feel that tension. Yeah, yeah. If you're a clinician um, in the back and you think you're the most important person in your medi spa. I have some bad news for you. <laughs> you are the second most important person. And the first ones are those people who are welcoming people in. But I, I think MediSpa is uniquely aware of that, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think I think you guys all know those first impressions are important. So um I um that, okay. So we were just talking about the kinds of conflict and where we might get to something that's a little worse. So let let's let's just jump. And you're fact gathering, right? You're asking mm-hmm. people what's going on, or you get an email from someone and they say something which I think should be obvious to most people. They say something to the effect of, I feel like I'm being discriminated against because. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, people throw words and terminology around like that, and you need to hear it. Don't dismiss it. Because I can tell you 50% of the time, if you come on with uh, experts like us, We'll tell you, well, no, they're using, they, they don't know what the word means. They're using it. And we'll give you a, uh, we'll give you a way to get them to, uh, talk about it further and get, and get them out of that, their head around that conversation using that word. Uh, but if they use that word, whatever it, it may be, discrimination, I feel like they're retaliating against me. I feel like I, you know, uh, I, 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 I can't make any headway here. A month ago, you guys kind of pulled me aside. You gave me some feedback, and I've done my best, but I need you to know that I, I'm feeling lost here, um, and it's because of so-and-so, um, and, um, and, and there you go. You've got something that you need to look further into, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, those are – it's just that simple. It, it Every day, we take – Probably we get probably about fifty requests a day. Sometimes it's more than that. Um, and of those, there's probably about ten. There's there's a good twenty percent where we're like, well, this requires extra work, um, so we can find out what's going on. And so the next step for those folks who don't necessarily have an HR resource, what would you say to them? Would it be time to find an HR resource? Would it be time to find? Um, a legal advisor. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, it's self-serving for me to say this. Look, we, we, that's what I did different in 2006. I had run a company. I had owned my own company. I had had, uh, for 14 years, I managed a live music venue. I had uh, two of them. I had bands on the road. You know, this is another lifetime. Uh I'm 60. I'm in my thirties and forties then. And what I could not figure out was, why is my team good today or bad today when they were fantastic a month ago? And how does this keep changing? How does this dynamic keep changing? And so what I eventually learned after selling the business and it almost killing me having 65 employees, um, I, I learned that I didn't know what I didn't know, Kathy. I didn't know some of these really uh, strategic ways that you can uh, an approach you can take to dealing with problems in your business, conflict between your employees, and really holding some kind of standards there. And you could actually build a backbone uh, through strategic HR planning and business planning, whereby you focus everybody on that. Mm-hmm. Always referring back to that. 
And so I, you know, I really didn't know. And so what I have done since then and what we have done, so I can't say I, because I surround my people, but my, sure. I start with lots of really good people um, all throughout the years. What we've done is, is we begin to be able to give you some of these tools. Like I'll, I'll give you one thing, and this is usually groundbreaking. And some people here have probably read it because I'm, We've been saying it for years. I'm starting to see it bubble up, and I probably stole it from somebody a decade ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to tell you like that. Yeah, uh, it, it is when you're having an issue or two people are having an issue, attack the problem, not the people, because the tendency is to uh, be subjective and and kind of talk about things in subjective terms, which is you're being lazy, you don't care, you're not, you know, you, you know, you're using your mom, you're using your mom stuff, you know, you're shaming mm-hmm. stuff. When if you can attack the problem and say, look, the reason why we're in conflict here is I did I was not quite clear enough with you on training her. Mm-hmm. So so now we're attacking the problem, what we see the problem is. And now we can kind of we can sidestep over there. And because of that, you're not doing a great job of training. And so you two are in conflict. So I've sort of caused this and I'm going to ask both of you for a reset. And you do it separately first, and then maybe you do it with them together. And then you just do everything you can to get them some wins by focusing on what the actual problems are. So the person who feels like they weren't being trained and was being withheld, they start to learn. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I I can take over the schedule because she finally gave me the password to the damn calendar for all the patients. Um, And the other person you're praising because it's like, way to give her the password. That's a really good first step. Of course, Kathy, I'd be a little facetious, but... Well, I mean, but honestly, things can start that small. They, they really can. They they really can. And then the next thing you know, they're singing Kumbaya, and you're having the right people up for building campfires in the front office because everybody's just getting along so good. And it's... But there's hot chocolate, so that's good. So. Right. No, seriously. <laughs> no, that's that's best case scenario, right? Yeah, that's that's the best case, yep. Um, I'm curious. Um, One thing that you know, I think everybody kind of deals with is, and it's, I believe it's more, you know, as the COO, I believe that it's more um, pronounced maybe than it's ever been before is the multi-generational differences. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just me and then I'm like in the middle of, of boomers and millennials and X's or uh-huh. Z's, you know, I'm, I'm Gen X. We just yeah. got through it, you know, but I, as far as the multi-generational differences in a business, it's it's daunting right now. Do you have any advice on kind of dealing with conflict between the different generations that would be different from what you've already shared? I, I think that first as an owner and as a manager, you have to recognize what those differences are. And you have to see when someone, you have to recognize when someone on your team may have a propensity to lean in one direction, and they're going to, to lean in one direction around how they address conflict or how they address feedback. You know, con- conflict uh, resolution is really feedback. It's just another form of feedback that you're having to give to the people. And and also recognize that most overwhelmingly in your industry right now, people who are coming in to your open positions are between the ages of 18 and, say, 26, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Now I am um I'm technically I'm a boomer, but because but but I'm so on the tail end of it, I fall backwards a little bit. Uh-huh. So I'm not quite a boomer. I don't quite have that boomer mentality. Um I what what I had to what really hit me in the face was, and it was different for me, 
And for us, I, for, for those of us who are, you know, t- between that age, you know, 50 and 60 years old, um, the younger people who are coming in crave the feedback. Uh-huh. What you may have felt was negative or something that would have set you off and kind of kicked in your reptilian flight or fight sort of thing. If someone gave you that feedback, the way that, you know, that you would get feedback, they actually want it. If you can give them constructive feedback, they would like to have it daily if you were willing to do it. Now, that's exhausting for me, but they want to know how they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean they want you to beat up on them or that they want to be micromanaged. That, that, please don't, um, please don't mistake feedback for, you know, those things for feedback. They are not. Uh, but they want more from you. And therefore, if you are managing a multi-generational team, which most of you are going to be, you are going to have to be cognizant of that. And you are going to have to put some work in, especially if you get to that that eight, nine, 10, and 12 of, of you got to put some work in to teach them about each other. Uh, uh-huh. I, I, you know, Kathy, I, I'm going to give you a name of a company and we get nothing from this. Okay. So mm-hmm. I just want to be really clear here. And yeah, and you may have heard of this, this company because they've worked with the military. They work with school, other uh, big in schools. Um, um, and, and the company's called Real Colors. And it is just some of the, it's some of the most fun you're going to have in a day. And really what it's about is, is unlike many of these other personality things, it's more about teaching us what, how other people receive feedback, how they receive conversations. And so they use four colors to, to help kind of, you know, put people in these different things. And, um, and we, in, in our company, we did it three or four years ago. We redo it about every two years because we have new people on the team. Mm-hmm. And when you walk up to someone's office, you actually see their primary and their secondary color. And so it can guide you on how to communicate between the two. So you ask me, how do I deal with these multi-generational people in here? Well, we start with understand how they receive feedback and, and really who they are. So at home, if they, if you walk into their closet, and all the t-shirts are in order and they're categorized by color and then the shoes are in a certain place and everything, you know, that's a different person than say myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. I had a hard time finding an iron shirt this morning. one <laughs> <laughs> saying because, well, yeah. So anyway, uh, that, no, I think that, that's really interesting what you're saying, because I think we all kind of make an assumption to a certain degree of what we think somebody else's feeling or, or be like me right yes that, well, let's right. just assume that that you should be like me uh, right and it's not true or even just if i think there is kind of an instance where if someone reminds you of somebody or if so you know or if you know you know you've dealt with this kind of person before and i'm using air quotes it's yeah, like all of a sudden you assume you know that person and your triggers well. yeah that and that's something else we address in the conflict guide is you have a history and the way your parents taught you to receive and give feedback is there and you know it's you have a history yeah well, not mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit about you mentioned earlier and i believe this sam spa has these two but core values mm-hmm. how, how what does that mean help me understand what that looks like for a medical aesthetic practice i mean is it something you just say is it something you write down do you test on it like how do you make it a part of your everyday when we learned it 
when we learned to do this exercise, it was part of a greater thing, which was then a kind of a mind-blowing epiphany. You know, I had that light, that kapow moment. And I said, look, with all the businesses we work with, and we do have a few businesses that have multi-locations and more than 100 employees, but most of the businesses we work with have as few as one and as many as 20 or 30. You know, they fall all along that 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 line. When we learned to do this, the, the epiphany I had was unlike larger companies with 500 and 1,000 people who do strategic planning, when we do strategic business planning, it's it's directly connected to a person. They, we don't have a lot of departments in small businesses. And if we do have a department, it's a department of one or two or maybe three. And so the epiphany for me was that all, all, everything about the backbone of your business leads to a human being, right? Sitting right over there. And so in order to get, and, and human beings are difficult and we're different and mm-hmm. we're one day and we're not another. And, you know, God bless you if you're a manager of 12 people who are having 12 different days every 12 days. You know, you just <laughs> never know, you never know exactly who you've got. And it's very difficult for you to be 12 different ways with 12 different people on a rotating basis. So what we like is to create that backbone, which is, um, you know, a, a, a mission, a purpose for the business. You know, this is the reason why we exist. Here's our mission. It's it's a set of goals. It's limited. It's something that we are um, working on together. We're getting better. We're getting better at referrals. That's a, that could be something that would be in a mission. Mm-hmm. Let's get more of our people uh, that we treat or are happy with us to review us. That can be part of your mission or your goals. And then finally, the core values. The core values don't change. What was fun for this for us is that my uh, my my business partner. My silent business partner and I went to this, this, you know, you, you go to these things and you learn and we put a bunch of things on the, on the wall, along with a bunch of other different businesses than ours. We put a couple of those big white sticky things on the wall and we started doing all these exercises. One of them was our core values. And, um, and then we brought it back and we put it in a conference room and we told everybody what we'd done. And we said, but this isn't to be done in a vacuum. We have just put some stuff up of what we think it might be. And we would like for you to contribute to this. We would like Mm -hmm. for you. And so the next thing we know, there's six sheets of paper. Two of them have our stuff on it. They're taking a few of our things over and they're writing new core values there. And so, um, you know, for us, we think it's about 10 things. And we use those as a guiding principle. We use them for how we hire. Um, it's okay to be different, but you still have to fit into our culture and our values. Uh, we use it to put me back on, on, um, back on task. So Kathy, uh, I'll admit it to everybody listening. The, the HR guy with 3000 uh, clients and 40 employees and solving all these HR problems. Guess who hates to fire people? And. <laughs> And doesn't want to do it and drags it out and tries to save everybody. And, and so my, uh, my executive team will weaponize our core <laughs> and they will go, look, we know, we know, but something's changed here. We know this, you care. And we know we all like this person, but here's where they are consistently starting to violate the core values. And at this point, when you've got core values up and you've worked on them and you've all agreed on them 
and now they're you know three years old and they maybe changed a little bit uh-huh. or they're five years old and and you've you've changed a couple of words and you've begun to shorten it down and then they're eight years old and it's just a few words but you've got the paragraph of the meaning behind it you know what it means um you you can use those um to your advantage to make better decisions and to say to people you can act independently even if you make a mistake or you make the wrong decision, but you did it independently and you followed our core values and you kept our goals and our mission in mind, it's just a mistake you made. It was a really good mistake because it, all these things informed it. And uh, and so, I mean, I'll weaponize a, a, a goal in a heartbeat underneath the mission. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are running behind producing these reports, and these reports are telling us whether or not our emails are working on the referral thing, and so the emails aren't going out or aren't being changed and improved, and the time you guys are spending in this conflict right now is keeping you from hitting this, of which is your responsibility, and you are three Fridays behind even delivering how many referrals that we got. So how are we going to get more referrals from our current clients if we're not doing what we all agree to in, in, in this, in this goal. Um, so again, like a way to just bring everybody back to the starting point. I mean, we, I know that that at AMSPA, you know, we kind of keep them under lock and key. We don't really talk about our core values except with our team, but it is something where, and we, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it is a fluid thing every year at, on strategic planning, we bring them up. You know, if if leadership has thoughts on change, we talk about it. If yep. we don't, we have open it up to the team. Are these still, you know, are they still, still feel, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And it's you could use, especially in conflict. It's funny. It seems like you don't need to use have any tools when everything is going. I think Alex always says, when everything is going good, it's going good until it's not. Right? Yeah. Like, and so you don't actually think you need it, and then all of a sudden, when you need it, it's nice to have. Um, some guidelines and and all of that. Um, I I wanted to ask you. I know we're kind of running out of time, but I have two really important questions. Mm-hmm. So I know, um, you know, it's it's very evident that the pandemic and kind of the global state of affairs has been pretty um, devastating to the folks that are still leading their everyday lives as yep. normal, coming into work and. Um, de- and also dealing with family issues. And then on top of it, we have kind of a lot of worldwide uncertainty. What, what role does your kind of employer or us, your medical spy, your medical aesthetic facility, what role do we play and how do we increase our understanding of those factors that are kind of maybe newer now than or worse than they used to be? Well, there's a reason why you're COO, because that's like the best question I've gotten a podcast in a while. Okay. So I'm glad <laughs> Alex isn't here. If he's listening, I'm glad, I'm glad you put Kathy in. Uh, um, we, we have this thing and, and, it, you know, it's interesting. You said that you keep your core values, you kind of close and behind you there. And, and we like that idea as well. We don't, they're not advertisement. Um, it, when it, we have this saying, which was internal, but we actually use it external now as well. And it's part of our, our purpose. And it's better workplaces make better lives. So you ask me what role the workplace plays. Well, you're spending somewhere between six and 10 hours, four to five days a week with these folks. 
So if, you, you, you know, you already know this, but I'm going to state the obvious, the better it is at work for everybody, and you can't make it perfect, but the better it is at work for everybody, the better it is for everybody, right? Like, mm-hmm. I almost want work to be, to be a release from everything else that's going on. It is the place that you can set aside your political differences. Mm-hmm. It is the place that if you can, you can set aside the fact that you're Mom has uh, early dementia and you're having to deal with that, but you can come to work and you can focus on work. What I don't want is for you to come in um, to work and have um, and have a manager or another employee in conflict with you constantly and making you miserable. So I I honestly I I think work plays a much bigger role in this than we realize. And really what I want to do is I want to go to the Zen part of this. You know, we're all playing Zen music in our in, in our in our in our businesses out there. It's playing in my atrium uh right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we I, I want it to be even keel. And and that means, believe it or not, that as a manager, without micromanaging, without attacking people, you have to be on top of these conflicts that come up. You have to be able to get in there. Your team needs to expect that you're not going to solve their problems for them, even though you you kind of have to sometimes, but that um, they're in a safe place where if they need something, they can ask a manager for it. They can they can at least say it out loud and not be dismissed for what it is that they're saying. Um, and then, you know, I think it's like anything else. You nurture your relationship with your employees by just simply showing them you care. And that means as a manager, you're evolving. You're not saying, you know, my my new employees, my young employees are dummies because they have this kind of emotional attachment or whatever. You're, you're not verbalizing any of this stuff. You are growing yourself. And um, I know I manage a lot different than I did when, when I was in my 30s. Um, I manage a lot different now. It's not any easier. I don't have any secrets. It, what I what I have might have figured out right now is going to be a complete failure four years from now. I'm going to have to evolve again. Frankly, Kathy, I'm looking for a COO so I can stop evolving. <laughs> I'd like to evolve my ability to like sit on a beach and be peaceful. Yes. Uh, but but going back to the workplace, I, I I think it's our responsibility to make it as good as we can. And that's where we lead back to those things like core values and all those things because we're 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 fostering a a good workplace. And some people don't want to be in a good workplace. They can't be. They don't have the tools, and that's okay too. They're passing through. I hope they learn a few things while they're here, and and we learn from them, and and we try to fit someone else in. Um, right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's a really I love. That that's a really healthy point of view for managers out there is, you know, we can be a stop on your journey, but we don't necessarily have to be, a, you know, lifetime commitments. So. No, and, and I've given up on that. And, and yeah. by giving up on that long term, I actually have ended up with long term people, which is a yeah. little counterintuitive. But I had to give up on it. I had to get rid of the conversation that I, you know, good people stay a long time. That's mm-hmm. true, but it is not the truth. You know, right. It, it, right. And so I've ended up with a, um, a good set of long term people and I have other people who move through and stay for a year or two or three. And that's OK, too. Um, mm-hmm. we, and frankly, we use it as a we use it as an entry point. If I'm only if if I start knowing that I may only have you for a year or two, 
then it's much harder to get an entry-level position here because I am paying higher and looking for lots of experience when you come through the door. Right. doesn't mean I won't train a smart person if I can't find someone. But again, all this is beginning to affect the workplace, my business, and, and, and how it's run. So That's right. All right. So my last question for you, Paul, okay. I appreciate your time with me. So I think we would all kind of believe that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Yep. So knowing that conflict is something that is absolutely happening and it will happen and it's inevitable, what would you say a healthy med spa business, a healthy med spa practice would look like, like if you had a case study for that preventative environment to make it, you know, conflict will happen, but very few and far between. I'm curious what that looks like. Well, from an HR perspective, Look, let's look at it from the HR side and from the human side. From the HR side, you are you are as much in compliance with your local, state, and federal laws as you can be, which means you are not vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You don't misclassify someone and have them as an independent contractor. You you have reduced through you know working with someone like us, you have reduced the threats, um, and so you have a really good platform that you can build on and that you can stay and that you can stand strong on. I think on the human side, you are, uh, you are starting to, um, you are starting to evolve that strategic planning that's connected to your HR and your people. You're aware of it. Your team is becoming aware of it. As each couple of years go by, you can see that it, it, it is becoming more, um, more a part of what you're doing. And, and here's the, here's the, I think here's the real kicker here. When you do all this work, you begin to surround yourself with people who can help you solve problems. And that's what a successful practice looks like. That's what a successful business looks like. You're not solving every problem. You 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 actually have people working for you who are better at some of the things you used to have to deal with. They may not even be managers. They're just better at it. When they get out of bed, they go, oh, my God, I get to file some insurance today. Or I get <laughs> I get to go collect some money from these people who who put us who are, have missed some of their payments or or, you know, they are they are excited by the thing that you don't want to do. They want to clean the windows at the front door because, believe it or not, that's a little secret thing that they love to do. And, and so that's what a really successful practice looks like. People are coming to work. They know that you care. They see some potential there for them to have a good life working for you, making decent wage, having decent benefits. They know they're not going to walk into, a, again, it's an HR term, a poop storm every single day. They feel like their contributions are valued. They know what you're up to, and they can see their place. What they do, they see how it fits into your overall larger strategic plans. They know how important they are at the front desk, and they take it seriously, and they improve on it. You can gather people together, whether it's three, two, or 20, and say, we have this problem. I have some ideas. Can someone make them better, or do you have better ideas? Those are the best places to work in because you're going to get good little gold nuggets between the rest of the poop storm that's always going on. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not saying there's no uh, conflict and things are going to be lying down all the time. That's going to be there. But it's those those moments when your team just blows your mind, you know, when a patient or customer says to you, you know, I 
I was really mad. And I talked to Kathy and she fixed everything. And she was so good. And I actually was kind of mean to her. So would you please give her this gift card and tell her I appreciate it. And I just told my mom about you guys. That doesn't come from you. That comes from your team. And that to me is what the best looking business looks like. Perfect. I love it. May we all, may we all be that business. Yeah. Um, it would make a big difference, I think, in the world in general. It's kind of, you know, what you were saying. So, um, Paul, tell us where we can get that conflict guide. And if we wanted to reach out to you and Cedar, if you could give us kind of where we can find you. So you can always come to our website and you should because you get to join a community. So when you come to our website, which is um, Cedar, C-E-D-R solutions.com. You come to our website, you're going to be prompted at some point, would you like to download some guide or some piece of information? I just want you to know that you're not going to get a sales call next. We don't, we don't do that. We want to pull you into the community. You can even get so far into the community that you're getting training from us. It's free training. You can even get so far into the community that you can join the Facebook group and you can actually ask HR questions. And our experts are standing by and giving, you know, the best answers we can give. Um, so CEDR solutions with an S on the end.com is the way to find us. Join the community, come hang out with us. Um, and then for the guide, we're putting it up now. So Kathy, we're going to give you, we're going to give your community their own special, um, link. We'll, we'll provide that to you and hopefully you'll be able to, you know, post it with this, uh, with the podcast and maybe we'll get it sent out a few times. And you'll be able to go to it and download it, and that will put you into the community as well, and so that you can kind of be a, a part of who we are and and, uh, and talk to your peers. That's great. That sounds wonderful. And just a reminder that Cedar is a vendor affiliate, a platinum vendor affiliate with uh, with AmSpa. So if you are an AmSpa member, you get some some deals from them as well. So it's just yeah. something to keep in mind. So yep. if you need HR services, it's very affordable. This isn't you know tens of thousand dollars a year. It's not limited. You don't pay by the hour. We it's fixed. We figured out how to support businesses your size, and you'll find that we can be very very helpful. Well, I think we can all use all the help we can get with management right now. So thank you, Paul, for your time. Yeah, Kathy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spy Insider. This week, Kathy Christensen was joined by Paul Edwards, founder of Cedar HR Solutions, a leading provider of on-demand support for dental practices of all sizes in the U.S. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.